Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Okay, so we have a very special edition of the Green Divas, 50 Shades of Green Divas. I, I don't know what it is. It's just a very special edition because there's a lot going on in my backyard. And you know what? It's, it's in a lot of folks' backyard, but it's something that should be a concern to everyone because it, it's happening all over the country uh, in different ways. So I have an opportunity tonight to speak with Pramila Malik who is the founder and chair of Protect Orange County. She's an environmental activist, and in 2016, she ran for New York State Senate. And that's just scratching the surface of what Pramila has been doing, and I'm very honored to finally get a chance to speak to her. She has been working side-by-side side also with James Cromwell, award-winning actor, lifelong civil rights environmental activist, and I want to say now he's kind of an ex-con because last time I talked to him, he was headed off to jail for a few days. <laughs> um, but he is really standing up for his beliefs in a big way, more so than many of us. And I know that him, he and Pramila are working together uh, on this power plant, this CPV power plant that is plaguing the folks of Wawayanda, New York. And now I live, you know, so... It's now even more relevant than it was, and I was concerned before, but I live about a half an hour from there down in Sparta, New Jersey. And so I'm starting to pay even more attention. And there's uh, this Percoco trial going on, which uh, it, for people who don't know what that is, the, a, a former govern, top governor's aide, New York governor's aide, Joseph Percoco, and three businessmen – Stephen Aiello and Joseph Girardi, um, they're involved in this. And, and, and I'm going to let Pramila, who has been following this so closely, talk about it. But let's ah, take a breath. First things first, maybe Jamie, because I know you've, you've, you've um, talked about this before with us. Can you just give us a rundown on what the CPV power plant is and what's happening with it now? Uh, CPV is a 650-megawatt gas, um, fracked gas-fired power plant, uh, which has been built in a small uh, farming community uh, in upstate New York called Weiweyanda. Uh, it burns fracked gas, which is pumped through pipes uh, from eastern Pennsylvania and then is goes through various stations, which increase the pressure of the gas get it to the plant, and then it is burned to generate uh, electricity. The gas is very polluting, contains, it's mostly methane, uh, which is 86 times more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. It is very high in radon gas, uh, which is part of the extraction process. Uh, the shale fields are very high in radon. It has the um, part of the uh, slurry, the chemical uh, 
into the earth to drive the gas up so that it has toluene, benzene, and other carcinogens. Oh. And in the burning process, produces uh, what's called ultrafine particulate matter, which is small particles of matter, so small they can pass right through the lining of the lung into the blood supply. They cause uh, numerous health uh, effects besides skin rashes, bloody noses, and Pramila can tell you more about that damage since her family is affected by the gas that is going through the compressor station now. Really? Uh, the plant is almost fully built, but it is not operational. They've had one test using diesel fuel instead of gas because their pipeline, uh, the lateral pipeline, which brings the gas from, I think, Millennium to the plant is not completed yet. Pramila, talk to us. Oh, I, I looked on, on your site, Protect Orange County, and there's, by the way, people really need to go look that up. There's just such a thorough explanation. The FAQ page talks about so many of the things we need to understand, but the scary parts had to do with all of the carcinogens that, that Jamie was just mentioning and the health effects and the things like that, the amounts of nasty, toxic things that are going on. And, and, and as Jamie said, your family is being affected by this. Can you talk to me about that? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I mean, fracking is a relatively new technology. They're pulling out particles from deep, deep within the earth. And as one scientist explained to me, it took billions of years of layers of, of uh covering of earth to create a, a, situ, a, a condition in which life could thrive on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are bringing up all of that deep material into the surface, into the atmosphere. And um, so scientists are very alarmed because a lot of this is, you know, material that does not belong on the surface. And so there are lots of chemicals. It's very volatile. It's very radioactive. It's very corrosive. So they use more chemicals in order to stabilize it, in order to uh, for it not to corrode their pipes. They use various biocides because there's a lot of bacteria deep within the earth that, uh, you know, they bring to the surface along with radioactive material. So it's really a vast public health experiment. And those public health impacts travel along with the frac gas from the extraction of the wellhead right to the point of consumption, whether that's consumption at a power plant or consumption at your kitchen stove, you know, obviously on a a smaller scale, but still um, all of those materials are constantly being emitted throughout that process. And so we are embarking on a public health uh, catastrophe. We're, we're sitting on the precipice of a public health catastrophe, but we're also sitting on the precipice of a climate catastrophe because frac gas, which is methane, has 100 times the global warming impact as CO2. So we are really creating a multitude of crises uh, by, uh, by this enterprise. And as a nation, we've become an extraction economy uh, dependent on a process that is an existential threat to life. So we have to decide whether we want to have a nation in which human beings can live, um, a a place where human beings can live or not. Right. I'm I'm just sitting here thinking, why 
aren't people storming the gates of this place? I mean, why? How can anybody think this is okay? But before we even get to that, I want to make the connection to this Prococo trial that you've been following because I know they are connected. Can you explain that to us? Sure. Joseph Prococo was a former close aide, top aide to Governor Cuomo, the current governor of New York. And he was so he was also a close friend, so close he was often described as Cuomo's second brother and his father's third son. And he it turns out, you know, we've been fighting this power plant for years. Well, it turns out that he, along with another lobbyist, Todd Howe, who was also a close friend of Governor Cuomo's, had actually been taking money from the company in order to facilitate this project and to ensure that it got uh, state approvals and also to shape New York State's energy policy. And they did this, they did this through a number of vehicles. But one of the things they uh, did it through was um, campaign donations directly to Governor Cuomo's campaign, both his 2010 campaign as well as his 2014 campaign, and also direct payments to these individuals from the company through various schemes, setting up shell corporations. Um, they created a low-show job for Prococo's wife um, in which she was being paid $7,500 uh, a month. So really, it, it was all about their personal financial interest. And for their personal financial interest, they sacrifice the health and safety of the entire community. But also, you know, they, they, they sacrifice the climate as well, because this power plant is being built to serve New York City. New York City is the second largest consumer of power in the world. So by this company giving money to these key state officials, they were able to plug their power plant into the second biggest market in the world, oh, yeah. which is a huge windfall for them, but catastrophic for everybody else. So how is the trial going? I know they're going to, what, the fourth week now? Yeah, I mean, there's so much documentary evidence. I mean, there's emails between Percoco and the company and this lobbyist referring to the money that they received as Ziti from the Sopranos. <laughs> uh, that term was used. There are email exchanges um, where they're, they're asking for meetings with high-level state officials. They used uh, their private emails, their AOL and Yahoo accounts, to conduct state business. Again, these are all violations of the law. So there's a lot of documentary evidence. I mean, the problem is that their government star witness uh, was involved in the corruption scheme. He was the uh, person who uh, uh, turned on Prococo. Uh, that was Tata Howe. And he has very little credibility because he's been engaged in various types of fraud and criminal acts for, for many, many years. And all of that um, is, is now um, being testified to in this trial. But again, there's so much documentary evidence that these people were paid money for no real work and that official acts, uh, they did engage in official actions on behalf of the company in exchange for this money. So, I mean, unless, you know, I'm hoping that there is a guilty verdict unless something happens. I mean, Todd Howe was recently arrested for violating his government cooperation uh, agreement. So, you know, it does throw a monkey wrench into the trial. 
But, you know, our message, we're, ha- we're actually having a rally at the trial tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Our message is that no, no matter what the verdict is on this trial, what has already been testified to, this improper lobbying, this backdoor dealing, mm-hmm. um, all of this, you know, this pay-to-play corruption that has placed the health and safety at, of, of, of an entire county at risk, but also placed the environment at risk, this has to end that uh, our government needs to uh, break up with fossil fuel lobbyists, that when they take the oath of office, they make a commitment to their constituents, and that they should, you know, we thought Valentine's Day is a great day for that message, you know, break up with the fossil fuel lobbyists. We're going to give them 50 ways to leave their lobbyists. (laughs) And, you know, love New York instead. Love our air, love our water, love our children, love their future. So it's time that draw a line um, with the kind of big moneyed influence that controls public policy. Oh, please. We are beyond in need of, of, of that. We have to stop that nonsense. So is there is there sort of an underlying indictment, if not an overt one, with Cuomo? I mean, is he really blind to all of this? Oh, absolutely. Cuomo is very much implicated. I mean, you know, there was one point in which Percoco uh, left the governor's office to run Cuomo's reelection campaign in 2014, but he was but he was working out of Cuomo's office in New York City. Now that's again a violation of the law. When you're run, you're not allowed to run a political campaign from a government office. Yet he was doing that routinely uh, during the second um, election. So there, yes, and and Cuomo was there in the office with him. And you know it's impossible that Cuomo didn't know about uh, this power plant and what was happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're basically telling Governor Cuomo he has to pull, if he wants to have any credibility whatsoever, he must immediately pull the plug on this project. You know, the day those in- indictments were announced, this project should have been immediately shut down. So has this trial provided an opportunity and a platform for some of the issues other than the corruption has it provided some megaphone to the the climate crisis that that's being caused by these kinds of plants? Yeah, no, nobody's making the connections. The major media is not making any of these connections. They have no interest in the power plant itself. The uh, they have no interest in in what was bought for that bribery money. You know, so what kind of permits were they able to get? These are permits that allow this company to pollute. And by the way, uh, one of the uh, one of the things that they obtained in exchange for this bribery money was um, a reciprocity agreement between New York State and New Jersey, oh in which New York State gave New Jersey emissions credits for a power plant that they built in Woodbridge, New Jersey. So without those emissions credits, that power plant in New Jersey would never have been allowed to be built. And Emissions credits are basically permission to pollute. So because of this corruption scheme, New York State uh, gave the company permission to pollute in New Jersey. This is just all crazy. You know, of course, also impacts, which also impacts people in New York City because, you know, that air flows right into New York City. But, you know. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here and and incredulous with my hands up saying to myself, saying out loud now, you know how it I can only hope that 
we are coming to a point because this is culture of corruption and big money and big oil and fossil fuels. I'm hoping that we're coming to a point where it's just enough is enough. But I'm concerned that no, that there isn't enough talking. That was one of the questions I wanted, and, and maybe Jamie can answer. Why is this riding under the radar so much? Why aren't people storming the Bastille over this? Um, there is the same disregard for the rule of law uh, and for a responsibility that our politicians are supposed to have to represent the people who elect them on the local level, on the state level, and on the federal level. If you look what is happening in Washington, both with the budget and with DACA and with everything else that's going on, you can see that basically politicians in Washington only do the bidding of the donors. They gave the donors, the people who pay for their campaigns, a trillion-dollar tax cut and then turn around and abrogate the promises that they made to the people that they would not touch Medicare or Medicaid, both of which they're going to do, and that when asked about other projects that the government are desperately needed, say, well, we have no money. They had money to give to their rich donors, but they have no money to handle, say, the opioid crisis. Right. Like the opioid crisis, we have an addiction, and that is an addiction to oil rather than opioids. And the purveyors of this oil have enough money and enough power that they not only corrupt the political process, but they also control, in many ways, what is said about it, uh, what is said about the industry itself, what is said about this corruption that exists on all levels, uh, and what the consequences will be in terms of local health and in terms of uh, global warming. So we have now in major journalism and corporate journalism, we have this sort of he said, she said. One party says there's no such thing as global warming. Now, you would think that the majority of the people would find that position to be preposterous, but it isn't because it is repeated over and over and over and over again. And the counterpoise that there is, that all these scientists agree that man-made emissions are affecting our climate and contributing to global warming, who makes the decision? Who's who's, Who's the one who adjudicates between those two positions? That namely is the president of the United States, who is a denier, mm-hmm. the man who runs the State Department, who ran Exxon, mm-hmm. the man who runs the EPA, who swore to close down the yeah. EPA yeah. and is in the process of doing it. It flies under the radar because we don't avail ourselves of the information. And once we have that information, we are not empowered. We do not feel that we can change this by getting out in the street, by coming to this rally. By writing, there was a wonderful woman in West Virginia named Lisa Lucas who stood up in their House of Delegates and read the contributions given by the oil and gas industry to Mm. every delegate in that body. And they took away her microphone and forcibly ejected her. Why? If money is speech and these corporations are allowed to give ultimately as much money as they wanted, because they thank are you, Citizens United, and they should be proud. Yeah, thanks to Citizens United, they should be proud of it. But they're not proud of it because they know that it's corruption. They know that if someone is, uh, gets money from a donor, they are going to do the donor's bidding. That is what's <laughs> happening in West Virginia. 
affects what's happening in Washington. That's what happens in New York. And that's what happened in Weyweyanda. That's why they have the permit. Well, that that leads to another question. And we talked about this last time. It's still important for people to understand and to understand why what is happening in Weyweyanda in the corruption scandal in New York State, in this uh, CPV fracking, freaking gas nightmare. Why is it important to people in Idaho or Arizona or Florida? And, and you because, have a nice way of s- explaining that. Well, because it's coming to Iowa. It's coming to every part of the country. They want to frack every possible shale field that they can get their hands on. This is true in California. In California, they don't even know how many fracking wells they have because they aren't required by the legislature or the governor, Jerry Brown, to actually report where they're fracking. Wow. If they do this, if you look at a map, if you go to on the web and you look at a map of the county that Dimmick, Pennsylvania is in, they have 1,075 wells in this little county. Every one of those wells has got to be attached by a pipeline to a compressor station, and that pipeline has to run as directly as possible. That's right through people's, uh, people's property, farms, and, of course, there's a great deal of leakage. Right. So they, want to, they see this as, a, as happening all over the country. The plan, there are 300 power plants planned, but, of course, the power plant is the head of the snake. We are... Camilla, we'd say call. We call it call what's happening in Wayne the, the head of the snake. Right. But the real objective is to get the gas to some place where they can liquefy it and sell it abroad for six times more than they can get for it here. In other words, yes, yeah, not even matter how many gas fired. No, doesn't matter how many gas fired power plants there are. There is a market for gas. It is going to make America an exporter of energy. It is going to make America Saudi Arabia. And if you want to know what that looks like for the citizens of Saudi Arabia, you only have to look at that country and see what sort of government they have, what happens in that country. Because what happens in Saudi Arabia is going to happen in the United States of America. Well, that's a terrifying prospect, but I think, you know, you, you, you're on to something, and it's not ex- as extreme as it sounds. So what, what I want to ask both of you what can people do and and what can people who don't necessarily live in New York do? Because as you just explained, what's happening there is the head of the snake. It's happening everywhere. We all need to pay attention and support an outcry to stop this kind of behavior on every level. So what do you, what, what can people do? Well, I would, I would say, first of all, start looking at your state, your own state energy plan. Uh, because this company, by the way, builds these power plants all across the country. So, uh, you know, they're building in California, Maryland, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. So, it, it, you know, and, and, and I'm fairly sure that what they've done in New York is routine business uh, practices for them. You know, in terms of our fight, you could go to our Facebook page, Protect Orange County. We have petitions on our website at protectorangecounty.org. And, you know, Governor Cuomo has presidential ambitions in 2020, and I think uh, we should make it clear that we will not tolerate pay-to-play corruption any longer, and we will not, we will not accept a candidate that is married to big-moneyed interests, certainly not the fossil fuel industry or the, the, the uh, pharmaceutical industry, industries that 
place people's health and safety at risk. Yes. We have to elect progressives all over this country, from local town boards and councils up through the state government right to the federal government. There, are, there is something called a justice democrat. The justice democrat makes a commitment not to take money from PACs, which means that when they are elected, they are elected by the people, and their, their allegiance and their responsibility is to the people. If we can do that, if we can get progressives in who are not beholden to this industry and who will not be corrupted by the money that this industry gives to get them elected, then we can begin to, if we had had this in Weiweyanda, in fact, we did have it in Weiweyanda, the first planning commission voted this plant down. They were promptly replaced because we really don't have representative government here. What we have is a dictatorship of the powerful and moneyed uh, people in the local community who have a vested interest in seeing that these things get built. If they actually were were elected to office to represent us and, and, and what our best interest is, they would never have okayed this plan. This can be done in every community. It's important for people to understand what is, as Camilla said, what is happening in this community, and then to get out, especially in the primary, and support progressive candidates who stand on positions of the acceptance of the responsibility of human um, endeavors in creating this climate crisis and put a restrictions on this industry so that it doesn't turn us into eastern Poland. Yes. Yes. Complete with uh, military parades, you know. Correct. <sighs> okay. I'm feeling kind of energized. I'm feeling a little hopeful because uh, I think we, we can take these actions. Uh, I, again, just want to thank both of you for standing strong and uh, opening your mouths and sharing sharing what you're doing. Thank you for having us. Thank you. you know, our message is love New York. Don't frack it up. Love <laughs> Don't planet, frack it up, people. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows. Happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and The Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. 